0: Welcome to Career Tools. Today's topic, how not to multitask, part one. Here we go. Well, I wish we had... (laughs) name this cast, How to Multitask, because I've been trying to figure this one out yeah. for years, and you know, it
1: it just doesn't work. I've tried. It doesn't work. Not very well, at least. I was a, at a client last week and, and talking to them, and I got the same thing. You know, I mentioned something, somebody mentioned something about how they're all just too busy, and I said, you know, I'm sorry. I know people who have a lot more to do than you that aren't as busy as you. And they said, yeah, Some, somebody says, well, we just multitask. And I said, I'm sorry, it's a lie. <laughs> it's wrong. It's bad. And there's just a sense of of, of disbelief. Uh, and in a conversation I had with one of the executives, it was very clear to me, and I think he is on the cusp of really being quite good at focus. Uh, he's, he's a very effective executive. We had a discussion, and the, the, the end result of it was that if people really don't know what they're supposed to do and they're fearful, doing a lot, even if it's a lot of small things, being able to spend 30 plates rather than five plates, regardless of how light or unimportant those plates are, really is an appealing thing. If you're not given clear direction, if you're not told, these two things I'll fire you for, everything else you can probably get by with some you know, with some slaps on the wrist, You know, people will try to keep everything up. And spend time on the things they like to do and the things that give them quick satisfaction, like getting a bunch of emails done and so on. I think that's what what has happened.
0: I think that's a really good point. Yeah, I don't think it's so much getting things off their plate, right? Getting number numerous things off their plates. I think I think okay. the fact is lacking any other measure of effectiveness, i.e., get these two things done that have a significant you know, make a significant yeah. difference to the business. Lacking that kind of measurement
1: or scorecard, then the only thing you can measure is how many how things much you did. do you do, right? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Rather than choosing the significance of any one thing, you simply have a number of things, right? And yeah. the more things you do, the greater number of areas you're touching on. Yeah, I think it's a good point. Look, what you and I both know is that multitasking is impossible for human beings it really, I mean, it started out. I mean, you when you read early stuff about multitasking, and by the way, I have a special treat for everybody here in just a minute. When you read the early stuff about multitasking, people compared it to computers. When computers started time sharing, going away from batch processing to time sharing, then you see that crop up in people's discussions about how they're more effective by time sharing. You know, cutting from this task to this task to this task to this task. And that's only gotten worse, by the way, with multiple chips and cells and so uh, uh, on, cores and so on. But as human beings, we only have one brain and your brain only thinks about one thing at a time. So having multiple brains is not something that's ever going to happen to any (laughs) of us. And look, since I brought up historical stuff, Mike, I found something recently that I I have to share and I I have to also share. This is a very rare cast in that we are re-recording it. I think this is only the second cast in six years, right? Yeah. We've ever re-recorded. For some reason, my side didn't record. I, I made a stupid technical error, I'm sure. And so, you know, we often tell people, how long, you know, that people ask us, how long does it take to record a 30-minute cast? And we say, 31 minutes, right? We don't we don't reshoot stuff. We don't I'm sure Paul makes me sounds better sound better, but I, I we don't redo it. But this one we're redoing from scratch because when you got my audio, it was blank, right? Yeah, it's yeah, like forty-five dollars so, an hour worth of nothing. <laughs> yeah. So what happened was I started thinking about multitasking, uh, leading up to that. And when when you when wrote the class, I thought, okay, this is great. I started thinking about multitasking, and sure enough, I recalled something that I probably should have said in the last la, our last recording. I made. And and uh, I dug it out of my bookshelf, and it, it it's something that I just want to read and have people sense the the importance of not multitasking uh, this guy is talking about some of the uh improvements we've made and and uh, how work is done more effectively in modern times and he says the advantage which we gain by saving time lost and passing from one sort of nurse, uh, some one type of work into another is much greater than most of us think it is in other words changing tasks actually causes us to go much slower than we realize, you know, certainly you have to move between the tasks. But even if that's the case, he says, a worker uh, in changing tasks actually goes from a bit of a trot down to a saunter. And when he turns his head from one type of work to another, he tends to take a moment to get into it. Uh, When he first begins or when she first begins the new work, they're seldom really excited about it and... For some reason, human beings, this guy noticed this, he said he doesn't really apply himself to good purpose. And I think that's interesting seeing how it was written by Adam Smith in the year 1776 (laughs) in the incredibly important capitalistic treatise called The Invisible Hand. Folks, if you think you're smart by doing multitasking, people 250 years ago knew you were wrong. This new modern multitasking stuff is hooey. It's not effective. You do not want people in senior positions who have to make big decisions multitasking. And by the way, Mike, since, the, since we recorded the first time, I have found 20 other examples because, of course, my reticular activating system is turned on. There was an article in the Harvard Business Review recently, and they said, ooh, actually, we can multitask. And they called the group that did multitasking and had better results, they called it, they have a new phrase, it's called polychronic meaning having multiple views of time or doing multiple things in one time space, as opposed to monochronic, meaning focusing on one thing at a time. And when you read the article, it's all blather and half-truths and and sort of smooshed together. And it implies that the polychronic people are better when it's a really small sample and really dumb, um, proving that dumb things get into Harvard Business Review every once in a while. Okay. Sorry. I had to read that. It was too important. 250 years ago, smart people who were thinking about effectiveness and productivity and capitalism and freedom said, no, bad idea. You want to focus on one thing at a time. Now, look, I also have to say, this is, I know I'm taking over the cast. I apologize, but I don't think of this as a rant. I'm just, I may be on a little bit of a soapbox here, but there are so many people who say, Mark, I do two things at once all the time. You know, I'm driving to work and I'm on the phone. Yeah. And and folks, we, we get that. In virtually every case, when people say to us, I'm doing two things at once, we always can immediately show them that one of the things they're doing, they're doing by rote because they've done it a billion times and it's been transferred to their autonomic nervous system after a fashion. You're doing it subconsciously, driving to work and talking on the phone. You've driven to work hundreds of times. All I have to ask you is you ever driven to work and within five minutes not remembered the drive. Yep. There you go. Your unconscious was doing the driving because you have Passed. From conscious competence to unconscious competence. You have developed a skill which has become a habit, which has become an ingrained pattern, and your brain is good at that. It digs grooves and ruts so that you cannot think about that thing.
0: Yeah, well, dude, this unconscious stuff doing work, I think it actually works because I've read some performance reviews written by managers that had to be unconscious when they read them. They them. <laughs> I, I, I swear. Yeah
1: absolutely yes yeah. yeah and and, and they're tr- they're trying to write a review on somebody which for many managers is the sum total of their their feedback to their directs and they're doing it spliced into 10 minute bits throughout a day because they know they have to get it done at the end of the day and then they're gonna smush it in in the last hour before six or seven o'clock before they go home and email it to their boss and then know that it's, it's not great but they'll get a they've got plenty of leeway into the schedule and the boss is gonna send it back and say you have to redo this and so on and they'll continue to slice it up into smaller and smaller bits bad plan all the way around The fact is, if you're doing two things, you're doing one of them poorly, or if you're doing it well, it's because it's routine. And usually, the routine things are not value creators. I'm just going to say it one more time. You can't multitask, period. Uh, The definition of multitasking is really what what is called, really better called switch tasking. And I'm going to say it one final time. If you're thinking you're the person Mark's wrong. This isn't, you know, that's, he's not talking about me. I'm the one that can multitask. I'm just telling you now, dude, you are so wrong. It's not even funny. So what we suggest is we, we have some recommendations. These are recommendations that we've recommended to thousands, tens of thousands of managers of the year. They all work. We want you to try them. See what happens in the next week or two. It'll be, by the way, it'll be very hard for those of you who are socially addicted, let's say to multitasking you think it's cool to be talking on the phone and texting at the same time. By the way, I do that sometimes with people, and they sound awful on the phone. Other texts may be fine because they get feedback. They get to see what they said after they typed it, and they can go back. But when you're talking to them, when you're the one talking to them on the phone, it's awful. So we have a series of recommendations, seven recommendations. I want to walk through all seven of them, and then we'll go through them one by one. Just try this for a week or two, folks, and see whether or not you get better results. Now, look, if you don't get better results, fine. Now, don't, don't say to me, well, I got better results, but I hated it because I really don't care whether you hate it. If you get better results, you don't, you don't get paid to do what you like. You don't get paid to do what's cool. You get paid to do what's effective. And what's effective is getting better results. So, seven recommendations. First of all, big one here, do one thing at a time, okay? Pretty simple, but we'll explain it. Number two, on your calendar, create blocks of time to concentrate on the things you need to concentrate on. We've talked about this a thousand times. Wait, we probably haven't talked about a thousand times. We've only had 500, about 500 casts, but we've talked about it a lot. Number three, turn off everything that pings, flashes, buzzes, moves, chimes, anything that changes your computer screen, anything at all. If it calls to you, a la those of you who have reached into your pocket thinking for sure your cell phone, your Blackberry, your iPhone, your smartphone, even your Android or whatever has buzzed in your pocket and you find there's not even the phone there. Yeah, you're a person who's distracted. Squirrel. Okay. Number four, close everything except that on which you're working on. Simple, right? Just get rid of all those other windows. I'm amazed. I've said it hundreds of times and people are still I walk into their cubes and they still have toast on their email. And you could see them pull toward it when they're in their cube. Can't do that, folks. Number five, attend to your biological needs. You know, get yourself ready to sit down and to get work done. Okay? Number six, it's easy one to say, a little harder to do. Try not to follow the rabbit trail of other thoughts. When you hear yourself going off, oh, wait, squirrel, Tell yourself, wait, no, I'm trying this out. Let's see whether or not I can finish this task I'm working on now, rather than slicing it in ever small bits. And then last, here's something that a lot of people forget to do. Once you realize you're getting pretty good at this a little bit, you're going to want to spend longer than you have scheduled, or you're going to want to go to the next task on your list when, in fact, you don't really need to because you're getting ahead of schedule, which will affect you being behind schedule and other things that are more urgent. So number seven, stop when your calendar tells you to. Don't turn it into an all-day ADD fest or a, a Ritalin fest. That's not the way to be effective. You can probably concentrate for about an hour and a half, most of us. Later in the afternoon, it's probably an hour at the most. For some of you, it's as few as half an hour, as few as 30 minutes. So when your schedule says you're done on something, be done.
0: Now, your first point, do one thing at a time. I mean, this is no surprise, right? Just, just about right. every productivity expert that exists says that, right? Focus on one thing, single tasking is the answer to productivity. Right? So if you work on your budget, you work on your budget. If you're if you're yeah. coding, you code. If you're on a conference call,
1: you're on the conference call. Oh, don't and get me started about conference email calls.
0: All those other things.
1: Yeah, people tell me about conference calls. They say, "Oh, yeah, nobody's yeah, I hate them. Nobody's doing anything." I said, "Well, why don't you focus?" "Oh, well, you got to get email done." <laughs> Well, then shut go. up. <laughs> Don't complain anymore. You're the problem,
0: right? That's yeah. well. Okay. Yeah. We're not going to go down that rabbit hole, but we could have a long conversation about that, right?
1: Yeah, we could. We could. Are you, are you telling me to get off my soapbox? Is that what you're saying? No soapbox?
0: No soapbox.
1: Well, uh, no soapbox. <laughs> not now. I'm sure you'll have at least one more by the <laughs> no. time we're done here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I do want to say uh, you're absolutely right. And I'll tell you what word, I have a clue from a cue for me that is enormously helpful. Now, it didn't work as well in the beginning, but I've built up. It's a part of my focus repertoire. I use it a lot when I'm writing because if I write three or four good paragraphs, paragraphs that I think flow in a podcast or in some other document I'm writing for a client, if the fourth paragraph is hard, I get distracted. I'm like, this is going to be a pain. If things are flowing, when I reach a bump, I'm immediately wanting to go, oh, no, 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 no. okay, I, I've lost the flow. I need to go do something else. I'll come back and catch the flow again. I have learned, and this is true of anything I'm doing, but I notice it particularly when I'm writing. I have found the solution for me is to say the word no out loud. No. I want audible, I guess aural is the right word, Oral, audible reminder that no Doing something other than what I was doing is not right. I'm giving myself what amounts to a very small additional speed bump that I have to go over. Although I just found out now that Wendy's moved to Texas that speed bumps in the US are called sleeping policemen in Great Britain, which I find vaguely horrific, but interesting after all.
0: Have you shared this no technique with my children? No, I have not. No, because I, I, I asked them to clean their room and they go, no, I'm busy. So, I, I, I guess they're just focusing on their homework. I guess that's what's going on. Okay, yeah. Good.
1: Yeah. Now, no, and I'll tell you, just saying that keeps me in my task a little bit longer. And what researchers have found over and over and over again is that while people laud and applaud and celebrate what's called the flash of inspiration, everybody says, Oh, I get my best ideas in the shower. I don't get my best ideas in the shower. I get my best ideas when I've been thinking about something for a while. In fact, there's ample evidence that those people who have been really creative or made real big strides do it because they're buried deep, 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 deep into their uh, ideas all the time, thinking about them, rolling them over, continuing to think about it. I suppose that might happen sometimes in the shower, but it's not because you're in the shower that it happens there.
0: Isn't Pressfield's book what, The, uh, the War of Art? Isn't that what that's all about? Oh, exactly. Stephen right, Pressfield. The,
1: yeah. Yeah. He says, sit down. I want to say it was Gore all, but I'm sure that's wrong. He quotes an author saying, how do I get inspiration? I'll tell you how I get inspiration. I sit down at my desk at nine o'clock every morning and start writing. Didn't Pressfield say that? Oh, it was Pressfield the one that said it. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought he was quoting somebody else. The point is there's ample evidence that doing one thing allows you to build up momentum. Your mind gathers to you other thoughts that you have been thinking around that idea, coalescing around that idea, that if you only think about it for a couple of minutes, those those thoughts can't come back to you because you're probably in tactical mode moving forward. But if you spend time on things, you build up momentum. You know, Wendy and I have talked many times that when we're writing a cast, the first page comes a little slowly. I can write the first paragraph, but that's usually just sort of a relaxed entry into that. But after that, it, it can be pretty hard. But then the second, third, and fourth pages can come pretty darn quickly. It's that third and a half page when I suddenly have a bump. I'm like, ooh, I want to go do something else that I tell myself, no, one thing at a time. In fact, I used to say, no, 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 no. That's what I did. And then I caught myself too many times saying it out loud. And if you say, no, 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 out loud on a plane when you're listening to music and you're writing while the person sitting next to you and they look over at you two or three times it's just weird you, it's just <laughs> not good so you get in the groove you spend a little bit longer than you're used to folks and probably the first few times you do this 15 minutes in you're gonna be like i gotta go do something else i need a cup of coffee whatever no say no and stick with it fight over that sleeping policeman that speed bump and, and get to the next phase where you can get closer to flow and seriously, I know this sounds simplistic, guys, and we apologize for simplistic cast, but somebody recently wrote me that we should not apologize for it. And I get the point, but we know we have smart listeners out there that already know this stuff. Nevertheless, if you take only one thing from this cast, let it be doing one thing at a time. Decide to do it and do it until you're done. Now, it certainly wouldn't wouldn't hurt you to to pay attention to David Allen's stuff, getting things done, where he talks about always knowing what the next task is. What What is the next thing, the next item you have to get done? the next deliverable, and know what it is, and then do it. And if it's an hour, spend an hour. The next one, the next thing after that's not going to be an hour. The next thing after that not going to be five hours. The next thing's going to be 15 minutes. And so you'll have another thing you can do quickly the next time you come back to the task. Now, tell me about
0: creating blocks of time on your calendar to concentrate. And this is not new, right? We've talked about this many times, really, in, in the context of effective executive behavior, right? They, they figure out what their priorities are, they block time on the calendar, and they do it. right? <laughs> I mean.
1: Yeah. While you've been talking, I'm picturing myself at Speaker's Corner in London. I have superglued my soapbox to my feet and you cannot take it out from underneath me. I'm going to rail <laughs> for 30 <laughs> You're minutes. Gonna You're going to rail. Calories. Okay, here it comes. Uh, no, no, I'm not. But I will say, I say it every week, at least two or three times a week in client visits all over. I actually said it today at lunch with an old friend in San Antonio. I said, I know what your calendar looks like, dude. It's a disaster. And he says, yeah, you're right. And he said, But what do you mean you know? I said, it's full of meetings. He says, yeah, that's what everybody's calendar is. And I just shook my head. His wife was there and she was like, yeah, exactly. Folks, you've got to start your calendar being a place where you put time for the stuff you need to do. You put your priorities in the calendar so that you make sure you get what you need to done for the organization done. And sometimes that means... Meetings will be harder, but at least if your stuff is on the calendar, if you have to move it, you'll be moving something that is already there. If there's no there there, everybody's going to fill it up. And there are too many people that complain they don't have time. What they're saying is I don't have time because other things are filling up my calendar other than the things I need to get done. Everybody has the same amount of time as everybody else. The question is what you're spending it on. And don't tell me that the meetings just show up or that you know, or your boss says you have to. Because the meetings that I see on people's calendars are not meetings that that they couldn't have gotten out of. They aren't meetings that are forced meetings, force majeure meetings where the CEO says you will be at this meeting. They're meetings that somebody looks for time, a Microsoft Outlook finds the golden time at two o'clock in the afternoon, and you suddenly have a 45 minute meeting, or worse, of course, an hour-long meeting, because you didn't have anything blocking that time. So if you don't have your priorities on your calendar, your your priorities are always going to be last and you're always going to be harried. And if you don't get your priorities done, you're going to start making up other things to feel good about that give you a small sense of accomplishment, which in fact are not the big things that really, really matter. And by the way, one thing about calendars or about the way they've been abused that's really actually good is when you look at your calendar and see a meeting, you go. You see that block of time on your calendar, like, oh, I got something coming up. Okay, well, put something on your calendar that you can stick to. Now, I did have a guy, it's been, oh, a year or two ago, that told me, Mark, even if I put it on my calendar, I'm not going to follow my own calendar. Okay. And I, I looked right at him and said, well, I can't help you. I can't help you. And he says, well, no, I need a trick. And I, I actually was kind of upset at the time. It was after a conference. It was late. And I was trying to, I think, shut down the conference. And he wasn't helping. And I was trying to pack our boxes up to ship them back to Maggie. And he said, no, I need a trick. And I turned to him and I said a little too sharply, I admit it. I apologize to you. You know who you are. I said, I don't deal in tricks, sir. This is not tricks. I wish I have said, this is not manager tricks. This is manager tools, but I didn't, I wasn't that good. But look, I know what people do. People complain about email all the time. They come back to their desk. Everyone I see comes back to their desk, sits down, sighs and opens up mail. Mm -hmm. Why are you doing mail all hours of the day schedule time for mail on your calendar and do mail during that time and then don't do mail the other time and when people tell you did you get the mail say no actually you could say yes and then just ignore it or when they say did you get it say yeah did you read it no why because I'm doing something more important. Everybody will be impressed that you're doing something more important than mail. And if somebody thinks that mail is the most important thing they do, and now we run across those people, right? Every once in a while, we run across those people. Dudes, you're just wrong. And there's a joke and it's going to be at your expense at the end of the year. When you seem to think that all those little emails that you read and tick off and send and reply to and send some vague reply that puts the ball back in the sender's court when in fact you could have given a minute-long answer that would have done a minute-longer answer that would have done a better job and moved the ball forward uh, and you feel like you've gotten the you know the, the monkey off your back but you haven't helped the organization at all, stop doing it. Do it in the morning. Do it in the middle of the day. Do it at the end of the day and be done. But gosh, if you don't have anything scheduled – All of y'all, so many, not all, but so many people walk back to their desk and open mail. And look, we're not saying that just putting something in your calendar is the end all and be all here. Just having it on your calendar is not going to make you concentrate. We respect that. We know that's true. But not having it on your calendar guarantees you're in this sense of I try to get a whole bunch of things done as opposed to focusing on one thing at a time. I'll tell you, I know thousands of people who are listening right now who will agree to the following statement. There have been hundreds of days in my career scattered throughout any week, one or two a week in any given week over the course of my career, where I have come to work, particularly on Mondays and told myself, there is one or two things I have to get done today. And in the middle of the day, you felt a little bit of despair. And at the end of the day, you felt total despair because you didn't get those two things done. And they weren't things that took six hours. You just got overwhelmed by other people's priorities, by urgencies, by importances, by scheduling changes, and by all kinds, by fire putter outer issues and crises and everything else. And I can tell you that those same ones of you who say, yeah, he's right. And and by the way, folks, me too. You'll also agree with me that the answer to that is to go in and when you have those one or two things, say no to everything else. Think to yourself, I'm going to be a bit of a jerk. I'm going to insist. When people come in, I gonna say, no, I'm sorry. I've got to get this done. I've got to get this done. I got to get, no, sorry. No, this thing I have got to get done. And those are the days where it gets done. And it's about saying no to other things. It's doing one thing at a time and saying no to the second and third and fourth thing. Avoiding the squirrels, so to speak. Look, we don't mandate a particular time here. I don't recommend anything longer than 90 minutes. That's been my time. I think younger people can probably go longer. People who are 50, my age, probably an hour and a half is way your upper limit. Some more, some young people in the morning could go two whole hours. I think you start getting interrupted too much in two hours. And I think it's other people feeling like your two hours is too darn long to get you out of the loop of text and Twitter and Facebook and email and meetings and buzz this and chit chat that and so on. The people just miss you. And they feel like you might be the frog crawling out of the slowly boiling water, and they want to grab you know the crab who's trying to gra- jump out of the crab pot, and they're going to grab you with their pinchers and pull you back down, because misery loves company when misery is not being effective, but busy spinning plates. So look, put some time aside, even if it's just 30 minutes in the beginning, and spend the 30 minutes on that. Maybe in the beginning, that'll be hard. At 15 minutes, you'll flag, you'll feel a a sleeping policeman and you need to fight through that, say no, and then you can make it to 20 and 25 and pretty soon you'll be at 30. And concentration is an effort in your brain and it's a bit like a muscle. No, your brain is not a muscle, but the use of your brain does have certain uh, similarities to the use of your musculature in that. If you use it more, you'll strengthen it. Uh, you can't expect to lift heavy weights immediately. Uh, those of you who have never been to a senior executive meeting that goes for six hours and they're served coffee and water and danishes and, and, and so on and lunch is brought in and they never leave the room, many of you after three or four hours are wiped out tired. And the executives may be lolling around a lot and they may be taking short breaks to be on the phone and so on to take care of operational issues. But the fact is, they're pretty effective for a long period of time, many of them because they know what they have to do and they're able to be focused in part because they know it has enormous ramifications for the organization. You can work all the way up to 90 minutes. Again, some of you could maybe go a little bit longer for most of you, 80% of you, I never recommend going longer than 90 minutes. If for no other reason, than there might be a fire. It's not actually a fire, but we'll call it a fire. (laughs) You may need to be involved in. I'm amazed that people say, I can't be away from, you know, away from mail for more than 30 minutes. But then they go on vacation and they're away from whale for 10 days and nothing bad seems to happen. They get on airplane flights without Wi-Fi and nothing bad seems to happen. But dear Lord, you know, gosh, in the office, no way, bad, can't do that. Thanks, everyone. That's it.
0: We'll finish this one up next week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long.